0: Unstoppable Success Radio, episode 161. Welcome to Unstoppable Success Radio. I am your host, Kelly Roach, and I am thrilled to be here today with our guest of the week, John Bowen. John is a co-founder of AESnation.com, a rapidly growing community of entrepreneurs dedicated to accelerating their success while making a difference in the world. Three days a week, he hosts the Accelerating Entrepreneurial Success podcast featuring revealing in-depth interviews with today's leading entrepreneurs. A lifelong entrepreneur, John is also founder and CEO of Financial Advisor Select, an organization dedicated to helping successful individuals and families make informed decisions by introducing them to top vetted financial advisors. And finally, last but not least, he's also the founder and CEO of CEG Worldwide, where he has helped hundreds of financial advisors build simple, elegant wealth management businesses that make them indispensable to the right affluent clients while making a difference in the world. I could probably go on for another 20 minutes describing all of the entrepreneurial ventures and successes that John has had, but instead I'm going to pause it there and let you guys learn from John yourselves. John, welcome to the show.
1: Well, Kelly, I appreciate the opportunity to join you in making a big difference.
0: So obviously, you know, everyone heard from your bio there that you have an extensive background, not only as an entrepreneur, but in the specialization of helping people to really leverage their entrepreneurial background to put the right wealth building practices in place to actually see the the results of the work that they're doing. And I know that that's a big struggle for most entrepreneurs. So first of all, how did you get interested in that aspect of entrepreneurship, let's say?
1: Well, it it really happened pretty early in my life. I was a junior in uh, college and I had grown up in upstate New York small town and my dad and my uncle owned a cast iron foundry. And they were pretty successful. They had farter employees. Life was good. It was a small town, so I was kind of one of the rich kids. And then my and but he made me have all the worst jobs at the foundry, Kelly, because he wanted to groom me to work there. And I can remember getting my a call uh, May fifth in uh, my junior year and. And I was waiting to hear that maybe I'm gonna get one of those coveted, you know, air conditioned jobs in the office. And he calls me and he says, John, I've got some bad news. Uh, the foundry's going under. We're gonna put it in a bankruptcy. Your uncle's gonna take care of the legal side. I'm gonna go out and get a job because I need the money. Oh, yeah, my your mom and I are getting a divorce and you don't have a summer job. And the thing that I mean, that was terrible in its own right, but then I asked him, well how are you and he goes you know i don't know and that was where you know i saw you know, some very successful entrepreneurs lose everything and there was no need and it was at that moment kelly i became really interested in understanding business owners and got involved in the financial world and have had the privilege of working in silicon valley now with some of the top technology, uh, really entrepreneurs, and then later in my career, I did sports and entertainment, and I was always CEO of the firm, so I've worked with some of the most successful people in the world, and I see how often they're poorly served. We're so focused, you know, working so hard in our business, doing it, doing it, doing it, that we make the mistake of not building serious wealth outside of our business.
0: mm mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, Absolutely. Yeah. And so paint a picture of, you know, exactly what you're talking about there, because I, I think this is a, a really important message that our listeners need to hear.
1: Well, let's go high level first, you know, Perfect. the idea that. Yep. You know, what a minimum level of wealth, calling somebody affluent, is usually a million dollars and above a personal wealth. Yep. And what, what we find is there's uh, 120 million households approximately in the U.S., 7 million with over a million dollars of financial assets. One of the things, Kelly, that's a, a real big positive, one out of three are business owners. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's a, yep. that's a tremendous wealth creation the there. And there. We look at five... Well, and it gets even better when you, if you want to create really serious wealth, because at five billion or more of personal assets, financial assets, uh, three out of four are business owners, and when we get up to twenty-five million of financial assets, it's nine out of ten are business owners. Mm. So this is the surest way, but unfortunately, not all business owners are really focused. And one of our passions, Kelly, is taking what the super rich. We do a lot of research in what the super rich five hundred million and above have been doing to really maximize their personal wealth and structure their lives so that they can accumulate substantial personal wealth to take care of it's not greed it's taking care this is what we when we do research of business owners we ask them why they want to accumulate wealth it's not greed it's to take care of the people they love and the causes they care about exactly well, that's why so if we take what the really the super rich what are they called family offices have been doing with technology today and the networks of experts, we can do that. So there's really, been, it's a great time to do it.
0: I couldn't agree more. And we have everything at our fingertips to do it. So, you know, when you look at some of these strategies, you know, that, that the super rich, we'll call them the 500, you know, million and above are doing, what does that look like? Like break that down for our listeners and, and let's get specific there.
1: Okay, let's go two parts of I'm gonna go, what are the concerns that we have as business owners? And this comes from a study that Dan Sullivan of Strategic Coach and Joe Polish of Genius Network and I did. Uh and it's called this we have an ebook that's available, The State of the Entrepreneur. And what we found was that number one concern was making smart decisions about our money, 92.8%. So number one. Number two was mitigating the taxes. You know, ninety-four point three percent, that was really important. And unfortunately, when we asked that, you know, are you doing anything proactively with your advisors? It was twenty-three point six were doing something, not not what they should do. Uh, taking care of the errors, you know, three out of four have an estate plan, but unfortunately, three out of four of them are out of date. And mm. then we okay. have protecting our assets from being unjustly taken, both from lawsuits and divorces. Well, 80% want to have a plan, 15% do. And charity, you know, I mentioned how important, we see the supermajority want to do something in charity, but they have no plan. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. when we look at these big five concerns, what we have to remember is, most financial advisors, there's 460,000 in the U.S. today, but they're they're almost all investment centric. They're just focused on the investment side. And this, while asset allocation is so important, yeah, we want to make smart decisions about our money. That's our number one concern. They ignore all the advanced planning that the super rich do. And you know, we start looking at how can we mitigate taxes. I mean, you know, some of your more successful business owners, instead of paying insurance premiums, all the different things for a liability that we have to do we can create our own insurance company and have what's called a captive insurance company that make all the not only all the premiums continue to be deductible but we can insure things that we're self insuring now and make those deductible and then for the higher risk we can go ahead and literally you know buy excess insurance for that catastrophe mm-hmm. and it's and that's all, this is really common that's going on the same with the ability of setting up different type of charity entities that we don't have to give the money now, but we can get some of the benefits Mm -hmm. that the super rich are doing. And then, you you know, Kelly, I could go on and on, but I look at the retirement plans. Very few of us are being very smart about our retirement plans. We're kind of doing just the basic. And once we start having substantial cash flow, boy, what an opportunity to put very large dollar amounts aside so we can accumulate in a tax-free basis. So you know, I could go on and on, but what, what we see is that so many of the advisors, they're knowledgeable about this, but they've never done what I've been mentioning. You know, It's single digit, have been doing them for their clients. Mm-hmm. So it's very important to find the right advisor.
0: Yeah. And I know part of the work that you do, John, is actually helping people find the right advisor that is, you know, cognizant and focused on um, the tax saving strategies and and the right financial planning for entrepreneurs. So what are some of the checkpoints that you look for um, in deciding that you're going to, you know, match or endorse a specific financial advisor versus maybe another?
1: Well, and it's, it, I mean, that's a great question. We divide advisors in the three categories. There's kind of the elite advisors that are doing wealth management. Yeah. It's about 6.6% in our research are doing that. And I'm going to come back to that because that's who we want to work with. There's two other groups. There's the pretenders and the predators. Now, on the pretenders, these are well-intentioned financial advisors. They actually really do want to help you but they're just not equipped to do that they don't have the knowledge the experience you know they're trying to read one chapter ahead type thing and that's just not going to do it so you know you've got to be careful And when we survey we we find that business owners tell us about three out of four of the people they're working with are pretenders and then unfortunately some have had some experience with predators too and these are the people who are really con artists and it's a small percentage but boy, it's it's one that, you know, as business owners we're we're usually after a little bit of experience, we know when somebody's trying to take advantage of us. The big thing is when it's too good to be true.
0: Yeah. Right? Good. Okay. So you, you have the, the elite managers, you have the, the pretenders, and you have the predators. These elite managers that are really making a difference for their clients and actually um, you know, adding true value that's helping them to set aside more money and, and pay less taxes and all of that. What are some of the things that they all have in common?
1: Yeah, this is so critical, Kelly. You know, the, the thing that I would look for is one that they have, they're very empathetic they are going to start with you working with you and the way they start with you and what we call a deep discovery so they're not trying to sell you anything what they're trying to do is really understand you know where you are where you want to go what are the gaps and whether your current provider your current financial advisor or professionals you're working with are doing a good job and if they are they should tell you that they, you, know, you should stay there. And if not, then they're going to be able to get very specific on the process of how they're going to help you, not only on the investment side, because it's very important to have a consistent investment philosophy. And you know, advisors, even though it's really becoming commoditized, it can make a huge difference making the right decision over a lifetime. The second part, though, is they should be helping you on the advanced planning side. And this would be that mitigating taxes, taking care of the errors, making sure your assets are protected from litigation, divorce, and the charity side. And they should have a team, not only internally, but externally, a professional network that they yeah. can tell you about that you know, they're working with a top tax attorney, the estate planning attorney, the accountant, the insurance specialist, and so on and that they have experience working with really your type of uh, wherever you are in life in your business because what we see so often is that people outgrow their professionals
0: right right Yep. no exactly okay no that that all makes sense now let's let's uh, talk a little bit more about some of the 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 strategies of the super wealthy and then I want to spend some time talking about the surveying that you've done of small business owners around what's working, what's not working, and, you know, if you can share a little bit more about the reach that you have in that realm and and really give some people some some inside information there, that would be great. But any other key strategies, tactics, tips, resources that you want to share with people around the uh, the wealth building strategies?
1: Well, and one of the things, Kelly, they can go to our website and we, we have, you know, everything's free there. It's uh, AES Nation. This is our research. Uh, brand that we're doing on for business owners, and they can download for free the book that Dan, Joe, and I wrote, "The State of the Entrepreneur." And this is a recent study of thirty five hundred peers, uh, successful business owners, and it and it goes over the the mindset. What were the business success factors? And there were six. And then the personal financial freedom that we're talking about. And then we actually have there too a scorecard so that you can go and score where you are now in your progression. And one of the things we recommend is that if you're not at the, the top, you know, really 10, 11, 12 in all the categories, it's very important to get a second opinion uh, mm-hmm. from one of these wealth managers on what you could be doing to accelerate your success even more.
0: Perfect. I love the second opinion. Just like a doctor, before you go in for a major operation or you start down some serious path with your health, you're going to go get another opinion. Obviously, your wealth is just as important, and I love that strategy. And let's give people where they can go to download that book, John, and then let's switch gears and let's talk a little bit about the surveying of entrepreneurs and and some information and insights from that.
1: So uh, Aesnation.com, it, it stands for AES is accelerating Entrepreneurial Success. They go to that website on the home page. They'll see very clearly where they can download the ebook, the uh, special report, and if they have personal assets already because we're, we're just not the advisors we're working with specialized in business owners that are affluent, they can just click on a button for the second opinion to schedule one of those as well. with one of the wealth managers, vetted wealth managers.
0: Excellent, excellent. Okay, great. So you guys heard it here. You can get that. Do the assessment. Find out where you stand today. Find out what things you need to start getting in place, where you rate, and what you can do to start taking action right now to take control of not only what you're doing to build your wealth, but what you're doing to keep it. So that's fantastic, John. Thank you for that. Um, Let's dive deep for a couple minutes here, John, into some of this surveying that you've been doing of entrepreneurs, small business owners, and I would love for you to share your top, you know, with three to five insights, things that you think are most important for people to, to know, hear and, and take away from today's interview?
1: Well, let's, you know, if we, I'm going to go big picture again, when we survey all business owners, there's six big drivers that they need to do to be successful in both phases, their business and their personal side. Number one, they have to nail it. Whatever the client or customer experience is, you, you've got to deliver a world-class and these are all in the state of the entrepreneur book, so you can really uh, sh- see what your peers are saying. The second is attract a steady stream of qualified clients or customers. So we've, we've got to have this system to deliver a great experience, but we also have the systems to attract that. And then we have to put the operational processes uh, system as well. And then we're really in a position to maximize the value of our business because what we find you know the difference between having a small business and a mid-sized business and a large business the valuations are just dramatically different so you can have a lifestyle business and that may be the right thing for you but if you can scale it up just a little bit and put those systems in place the value increases dramatically and then really you know number 5 is this maximizing your personal wealth and doing it because of the people you love and the, the causes you care about And that's what we've been talking about, taking the concepts of the super rich. But the last one, uh, very interesting, was you know a recognition that we're not in business just for more business. We're in business for to support the quality of life. And their fellow entrepreneurs, the thirty-five hundred we studied in this, this was probably the biggest driver of making sure they arrange their affairs on the business side and then on their personal financial side to facilitate the quality of life that they want for themselves, their family and their causes.
0: Yep. No, it makes total total sense. So, in terms of what you like explain to the listeners a little bit of how you utilize the surveys and then, you know, maybe dive into some of the smaller details, tactics whatever the case that, that you pull from this and how you use it in your business, for example.
1: Well, you know, I love doing surveys. And the reason I do is, you know, one of the biggest things we all have to do is really understand what our clients need and want. What are the big concerns that they have? And then we can arrange our businesses to solve those challenges. And we have, our primary business has been coaching financial advisors. It's something, I've been in the financial services industry for over 35 years now. I love it been always passionate about it. You know, I told you my, my father's inspiration, and mm-hmm. uh, I, I can still remember when I called him and told him that I, you know, I was gonna be sharing this with millions of people, are you okay? And he, he really wanted that out, because he didn't want anybody else to make that mistake. Sure, yeah. And, you know, he's recovered, and I've been his financial advisor you know, for all of his life, so he's done very well, but he could have done even better and not go through that turmoil. So we use that to get a better understanding and then really one of the things that we should all be doing is visualizing where we want to go. And there are people that have already got there. They've walked that path before. And if we can understand what they're doing that have gotten them there, you know, the super rich, 500 million or more, most people don't want to do what the five, top five you know to get to 500 million it's you know almost everybody destroys their family there's all kinds of trade-off it's a total focus on mm-hmm. creating wealth but yeah becoming seriously wealthy when we start looking at people at the you know five million and up it's pretty you know this is stuff that every business owner can do if they're proactive and they surround themselves with the right team kelly
0: Right. No, and I love that. And, you know, I like your story about your dad because it really gives kind of that, it paints a clear picture for everyone listening. You know, if you're later in life and you made some mistakes, you can still get back on track. You can still turn it around if you put, just like you just said, John, the right team around you to support you in making the right decisions now to, you know, still set yourself up for success. However, you also added to that he could have done so much better, right? Like if he had started sooner, if he had done things a little differently in the beginning. So for those that are early on, what are, what are like the top two or three things that you're like, make sure you do this or make sure you do that for those that are early on that can have that lifetime ahead of them of making the, the right choices, good decisions, you know, on their entrepreneurial journey that will set them up for a, a good wealth building journey in the process?
1: Well, one of the things that I see so often among the entrepreneurs that I have the privilege of working with and business owners, that we're, we believe so much in our business. You know, it's our purpose, it's our passion. that And we can't imagine anything being a better investment than this. And what happens is we, we don't pay ourselves, and we don't pay ourselves much beyond lifestyle needs. And what I want to encourage people to do is to design their business to pay themselves first mm-hmm. and this is i don't care whether it's you know fifty thousand dollars or five million dollars in net income pay yourself first this is the way by putting that discipline in place whatever the returns should be on the size business you are if you're a venture capitalist if you're a private equity person what would be the expectation of return because not only are you working in the business but oftentimes you're the person funding it as well and you've got to get that kind of return and as you become disciplined in doing that two things happen one the valuation goes up dramatically and second all of a sudden now you have discretionary cash flow that you can use to build up your personal wealth and use many of these tax favored uh, strategies of the super rich to really build tremendous wealth On your personal side,
0: yeah, yeah, no, and I think that's so important, John, because you know everyone has such strong drive to build their businesses, and the business will take every cent that you give it, right? Like every cent that you give, maybe even a little more. Yeah, (laughs) exactly, exactly. And so I do think you have to be vigilant about you know kind of drawing boundaries and and you know putting things in place to create a buffer between how much you're willing to invest in the growth of the business versus how much you're setting aside as return on investment for you and your family and your future and all of that, because, yeah, I mean, the pendulum certainly can get swung too far. And, and then, you know, you get in this habit and, and start building this hole of just having to feed the beast kind of thing. And, and that can get you in trouble, too.
1: Well, there's no better way of building wealth and equity than in a business. The challenge is not all businesses are successful. Right. And sometimes outside of your control, the specific risk of that industry, that business, you know, you can only do so many things. And particularly as you scale up, it becomes even more important. So to the extent that we can have that discipline, so we're having earnings in that business, that's going to increase the value. We're going to have money outside so we can have a great quality of life. But we're also going to protect ourselves from Really making bad decisions about our business. So so often, Kelly, you know, when you're getting started, you have to do things that aren't necessarily the smartest long term. When you have personal wealth, the, I mean, I, I've tried being poor starting business, and I've tried starting businesses as wealthy. I can tell you, the latter is much better. You know, I've got right. multiple businesses, and mm-hmm. and I can self fund them myself and it just really allows you to build the business around supporting the quality of life of all the key stakeholders yeah. the clients your teammates you know partners if you have shareholders and your family and that it's you know it's it's really that enlightened self-interest that makes capital markets work but we got to lift our head up and surround ourselves with the right advisors, and and get that second opinion. I mean, you mentioned medical uh, in the survey of business owners. We about 300 business owners. I don't have these numbers in front of me, but it was pretty close. Forty-one percent had gotten in the last 12 months a second opinion on medical, mm-hmm. and you know they were all happy they did it. Yeah. When we went to the financial side, it was only fifteen percent had ever gotten a second opinion on their financial affairs and even more it was a little over ninety percent really thought it was invaluable that they got that and i gotta tell you the super rich they get second opinions on everything because they have access to this talent. Why take that chance? It's so easy to make sure you're doing it right the first time.
0: Right. So smart. You know, I've had a lot of different financial experts on the show. I've had wealth management people, you know, advisors, people that help entrepreneurs get down their their tax spending and and that type of thing. But no one has ever mentioned, uh, you know, making sure that you get that second opinion. And I really love that you, you know, focus on that because I think it also helps you shed light on things that you just otherwise wouldn't have even known that you need to be considering or paying attention to. Um, so it definitely is, uh, it's a great takeaway and strategy. And, you know, I think a lot of what you're sharing here, John is, you know, you said pick your head up, you know, it's, it's about, um, taking a step back and having that long term decision making versus being so focused on the immediate instant gratification, the thing that's right in front of you demanding your attention at the time, which is not necessarily the most important thing or the thing that's going to really make the difference in getting you to where you want to be.
1: Well, most of us, as we become business owners and then entrepreneurs, we become, you know, unemployable by anybody (laughs) other than ourselves because of the lifestyle businesses that we all create. And so, geez, if we're going to do this for the rest of our life, you know, we've got to take care of our health. We've got to take care of our businesses. We've got to take care of our families, certainly. But we've got to take care of our personal wealth along the way. And this is, there's no better way to do it than being a business owner.
0: Love it. Absolutely brilliant. Uh, John, you shared a ton of value on the show today. Really appreciate that. One more time, why don't we give the listeners the link so they can go download the the book and get started on the assessment and try and figure out what next steps are right for them.
1: So go to www.aesnation.com, Accelerating Success, And the book is The State of the Entrepreneur by Dan Sullivan, Joe Polish, and myself. And then there is a scorecard to maximize your personal wealth that has the eight key drivers that we've seen in all those 3,500 entrepreneurs, the most successful. And you should score yourself against those. And if you're not hitting in the categories you want, get a second opinion. You'll be glad you did.
0: Perfect. All right. Great. Thank you so much, John. And where's the best place that you spend the most time, you know, in the social world out there and in, in terms of people just connecting with you?
1: Well, I am uh, on the social side, really. Uh, I have a whole team that does all that. So I'm on all the different things. But, you know, the best probably LinkedIn is the easiest one to connect or Facebook and uh, AES Nation as well. Perfect. You can reach to me.
0: Awesome. All right, John, well, thank you so much for being a fantastic guest on the show today. I can't wait to share this with the listeners of Unstoppable Success Radio. I really appreciate all the value that you shared.
1: Well, thank you for the opportunity and wish all your listeners the best of success in making a difference.
0: Thanks, John.